You're listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. You can find out more about this and other network shows, as well as Small Town Monsters films, books, our upcoming Kickstarter campaign, and much more at smalltownmonsters.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Sunday night Small Town Monsters live show. Uh, here's, here's something fun. If you have a suggestion for what we can call this show, other than the Sunday night live show, uh, you know, let us know. Maybe drop that in the comments. We'll see if we get some some cool suggestions. Full disclosure, this is not an official poll, uh, and I did not get the okay to ask this question. So just saying. Uh, we've got a great discussion tonight. We've got a fantastic guest who I can't wait to talk to, but there are a couple of things that we've got to talk about, or I would be remiss. And probably the biggest announcement of the night, folks, Monster Fest 2 doth fast approacheth. Uh, we're coming up on June 29th of next year. It's going to be it's going to be here before you know it. I know you're thinking it's only September of this year. It's going to be June before you know it. Uh, tickets are going fast. So this is kind of a red alert to get yours booked while you have time. Uh, we're going to have a fantastic vendors, guest speakers, live podcast, as you can see on the poster there. Um, you're not going to want to miss it. Monster Fest one was a huge deal. We've got some really great merch over at the Small Town Monsters shop for you. Uh, back by very popular demand is the Small Town Monsters Screaming Pumpkins logo, which I think is really cool. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, and we have it on this super cool can-shaped glass. If you can see on the live stream, I'm drinking coffee out of a ceramic mug like a savage, a simpleton. You don't have to be like me. You can score one of these today. We have a new episode of The Lore You Know coming out tomorrow with a very special guest, Mr. Ward Heine, who you might you might be hearing from here shortly. We'll see. But you're not going to want to miss that. Catch that on your podcasting platform of choice. And we're coming up even faster than Monster Fest. We're coming up on the next Kickstarter campaign. Um, if you missed out on last year's campaign, that's okay. Hey, life happens, but you still have time to get ready for February 1st of next year. This is going to be the only place where you can get access for the immediate future to our upcoming project, uh, Cryptid the Goatman. This is a new series of films that we're doing exclusively for Kickstarter backers. Uh, our current backers will receive Cryptid Chupacabra uh, pretty soon. I don't know when, honestly, I don't know, but soon. Um, and Cryptid the Goatman is the project we'll be working on next year. So definitely get ready for that. Get excited. I'm definitely excited about it. Without further ado, I'd like to bring up tonight's guest, writer, director, uh, super cool guy. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about tonight. I'm pretty excited about tonight's topic. But Mr. Ward Heine, how are you, sir? I'm well, Aaron. How are you doing? Fantastic, man. Thanks for joining me on a Sunday night. I know weekends can be, they can be what they are. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I've got three kids and my youngest, he's three, is down here with me. So if you hear some background exclaiming, it's because he's getting really hyped at the monster trucks on TV. So. I'm with you, sir. I have a one-year-old, so you you don't have to explain nothing. <laughs> um, we're going to get into our interview really quickly, but we do have a trivia question tonight. And the winner, the winner is going to receive one of these. This is a hardcover copy of the Texas Dogman Triangle. Uh, I wrote it. I always feel weird talking about my own work, but I think it's a pretty cool book, and I would like for you to read it. So uh, let's go ahead and throw this out here now. I want to give the audience time to respond. Last week, Ward, I asked a trivia question that I thought was a really deep cut, and they got it in like three seconds. So um, <laughs> it was like a photo finish on who who got it first. Do I get here to play? Go. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can play. <laughs> I'm just <kidding. laughs> This book, written in 1865, may be the oldest text dealing specifically with werewolves. What was it called? 
It is not the Texas Dogman Triangle. That might be confusing because I just held up a book. But I'll leave that up there for a moment, uh, and we'll just get into tonight's discussion. As always, uh, any questions that you guys have, please throw them in the chat. We always want to get to as many audience questions as possible. You can let us know where you're watching from. Um, and if you have, uh, again, questions. I love audience questions. I feel like I can't say that enough. Um, oh, and we do have to shout out our squad members, man. We, uh, Kathy W., I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Coyute J? Coyute J became a squad member this week, as well as JCK Patriot, Don Turner, and Darren N. Jaron N. Pardon me. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining the squad. Um, I say this every week, but you make what we do possible. So we really appreciate you guys. And our good friend Scott is here tonight. Good evening, all. Looks like a, not a lot of new squad members. Yeah, it's a good day. Um, oh, as well, just in the last few minutes, Ozma Jones. Welcome to the squad, Ozma. Good to have you. Anyway, I've talked long enough. Ward, welcome to the show. <laughs> Would you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are? Yeah. You may not uh, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a documentary filmmaker. I worked for a long time with uh, different uh, companies producing documentaries on different subjects. Um, and then I had uh, sort of a a red pill moment, I guess, with uh, paranormal stuff and just the strange in general uh, a couple years ago, probably a, around the time a lot of people did with with COVID and everything. Hmm. And uh, I ended up making a documentary series based on an experience that a friend of mine had in southern West Virginia. And that kind of led into hooking up with several different um, people that have different stories and several different um, production companies, I guess, people that are interested in making content and the way that I shoot and uh, can run uh, a production is pretty lean. And so that opens up a lot of possibilities for um, doing stuff that I think looks good, but uh, can be done, you know, fairly inexpensively. So uh, we've done a few of those since. Muted myself. Sorry. There's a dog. <laughs> I thought it was me. I was panicking. All right. No, definitely my fault. Any problems are my fault. That's just, that's one of the rules. Uh, <laughs> no, you guys knocked it out of the park with werewolves unearthed. And uh, Thanks, man. You know, it seemed like with a relatively small crew, you put together something that's really spectacular. So, you know, I'm excited to get more into that, but um, can you tell us a little more about, and you, you've gone over this, but dark collar films, that's, that's your existing production company. Um uh yeah, we're actually, we're just getting that off the ground, actually. Awesome. Um, we're, I'm still working on the reel, uh, and we're working on a website and stuff. Uh, so it'll we're slowly making the transition from it being just me uh, to an actual production company with uh, Justin, who you see in the film. And uh, Chad will be helping us on stuff, too, I hope. Um, he's a really talented writer. Um, all of his voiceover and stuff, he, he wrote that. I kind of gave him the cut where we needed to, where we needed to go narratively, and he he wrote all that. So, um, yeah, he's really talented, and um, yeah. So it, the production company came out of uh, Dark Holler is the the paranormal docu series that I made um, a couple years ago now, and that's kind of that was my uh, launch, my initiation into making weird stuff. And so since that time, it's been kind of an effort to wisely steward and take care of like the 
the audience that came with that and also kind of the skill set that I feel like I have now. So, uh, yep, that's that's what we're trying to do. That's cool, man. See, like, I'm not just like kissing up, but I really love this movie. Watching <laughs> watching, Werewolves, watching Werewolves on Earth, like, I had the impression that you've made dozens of feature films and this is just the next thing that you're doing. So, no, bravo. bravo. <laughs> I actually, uh, I DP'd my first feature this past summer in Colorado. It's about a, it's called The Sasquologist. It's about a, a Sasquatch researcher and his young, possibly, possibly imaginary, possibly not friend. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, we I've done one uh, narrative feature. And then my corporate job, I do, like, commercial video work. So I definitely, like, I have uh, a deep background in uh, video production. And um, even in shooting for documentary stuff. I was in, like, like 2012 to 2014. I did a lot of, like, uh, traveling around to the various, um, do you remember Black Block? It was, like, Antifa before Antifa. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like there were several, depending on riots or protests, whichever way you want to look at it, um, that went down around G20 and the um, like May Day in New York, I think in 2014 was a big one too, with Occupy Wall Street and all that. So like mm -hmm. we would go down and um, shoot stuff, you know, people breaking out police car windows and, and uh, that kind of stuff. So I did, it's not like, this is not the first thing that I've shot, but um yeah. Now it's it's fun to apply that now to where like I have so much control over the product. Um, like over the project, I can not do things that I thought were dumb and I can do things I wanted to do that we weren't able to. So, yeah, that's cool, man. So you've got a super diverse background in you know cinematography and filmmaking like this is the latest thing, but you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I started out as a PA in a tiny little video production house in West Virginia and then taught myself motion graphic design and did that for uh, the blaze TV for a while. Like when it became the blaze TV actually. Oh, wow. Um, and then I worked for their documentary films department for a while. And when that folded, we tried to do a couple of original projects, one on the opiate uh, epidemic and one like a true crime piece that never really went anywhere, despite how many hours we put into it. Um, wow. And that was part of like why I wanted to kind of go as independent as possible and be able to do stuff that I cared about and stories that, I mean, honestly, this is just kind of, I feel like I've been placed in the right spot to do this and kind of called to it. So, so. That's awesome. No, that's fantastic. Uh, we do have a couple audience comments I want to get to. Uh, Julie has a response on our trivia question. Reverend Guy and Sabine Baring Gould, that is the writer, the author of the book that we're talking about. Uh, so you're absolutely right, Julie, but I am looking for the title. We are looking for the title. But it is by Sabine Baring Gould, so there's another, another hint for you guys. Uh, Paul Puglia asks, have you ever been to the LBL and what do you think is going on there? Oh, this is a good one. Uh, I don't know how much I can say about it, but I'm going there very shortly, uh, for about a week and we're going to, um, yeah, very soon I will be, I've been to Daniel Boone national forest in Kentucky, um, investigating, sort of going around and hearing a story of a guy who I think he's anonymized, but I think he actually appears in one of the small town monsters shows. And I think he's also anonymized there. 
Um, oh. Yeah. So uh, Seth and I have had this conversation. We think it's the same guy. Um, okay. So we went down there with uh, Tony Merkel of the confessionals and we did uh, the first one after Dark Holler. One of these things that I did was uh, it's called Expedition Dogman. It's on Prime and stuff. And, oh, you work. Yeah, I didn't know you worked on that. That's yeah, I, I shot that. I didn't do enough research, but oh, that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's not. I mean, it you know, it was a complete um, surprise. Like Tony was going to go down and basically vlog himself and one other guy um, doing the thing, and I had called him trying to get Dark Holler promoted. And being like, can I come on your show? And he was, he saw the trailer and was like, hey, this looks pretty good. Would you like to come hunt dog band with me? And I was like, you know, at that point I was saying yes to everything. So I was like, sure. And I'd never met him or anything. Um, and that turned into, I think, uh, yeah, that turned into like the whole thing that he's doing, Merkle Media and all that. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I have been to Kentucky. I've not yet been to the LVL, uh, but that's about to change soon. Very cool. That's awesome. Oh, I also, what do I think going what do I think is going on there is the other oh, question. Yeah. Um this probably this gets on. Do you want to wait, Aaron, to talk about to answer the question, what do I think Dogman is or whatever? Uh you know what? No, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, that's that's in my notes. So, like, no, I'm all in. If it's if it's relevant, great. So great I question. I know that um there's going to be two halves of the audience. There's going to be a half that uh, is diehard. Like there's an undiscovered upright canid uh, flesh and blood creature out there someplace. Um, and as we expand into unknown territory, we're just bumping into creatures uh, that just regular creatures that exist. You know, it could be a mountain lion, but in this case, it's a dog. Uh, I, I find that pretty difficult to believe. Um, and so I won't say that, um, you know, the, the documentaries that we do, the shows that we produce, I'm going to reflect whatever stories are being told. I'm not interested in forcing my own kind of meta narrative onto it, but, um, I think I'm of the opinion that the things that people are encountering in the woods, um, like Dogman are, probably uh related to you could use the word the spirit realm or interdimensional i think that those words are just two different words for the same idea um i think that the spirit realm and ours are not as sharply divided as most people that even accept that there is a spirit realm um and that uh probably ritual and intention have something to do with um, what's going on in the increase of people experiencing things, both um, the paranormal type stuff, poltergeist and stuff. I know, you know, spiked like crazy during COVID. And um, I think that we're experiencing something similar in the cryptid world, particularly with the rise in people experiencing dogman werewolf phenomena. So um I, I can be more specific if you want me to be more specific but um and it's not something that i'm certain of obviously you know like there's when you get into any of this weird stuff like 
there's a central circle of things that I'm certain of. And then there's like things I'm pretty sure are right. And then there's things that I suspect are true. And then there's stuff that's just a guess. Um, that idea about what uh, dogmen are, that there's something, uh, some sort of spiritual entity manifesting is that particular mask and doing so at an increasing rate. That's kind of things that I suspect are true. It's not a thing that I'm certain of, so. Sure. And I think that's kind of a, you know, I think that's a process of thought that a lot of us that research this dogman stuff run into because you do have these cases that run the line of being very cryptozoological, you know, but then you have other cases that run into the more spectral supernatural, like you're saying, and then there's crossover. So it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to suss out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we do have, uh, my apologies, Jessica Falcon Metcalf. She got the name of the book a little while ago, and I, I just lost it in the chat here. So my sincere apologies, Jessica. But uh, the answer to the trivia question tonight is the book of werewolves. So thank you so much, Jessica. Once again, I do apologize. Uh, please reach out to us um, on social media, your platform of choice through YouTube. Get in touch with us so we can get you your book. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, but yeah, it, it's part of the reason I was so excited to talk to you tonight, Ward, because we both have researched this phenomena pretty extensively, um, in totally different regions, but it seems like there are a lot of parallels between, at least after watching Werewolves on Earth, you know, what I encountered in my research and what you guys ran into in Pennsylvania. Um, was this something you had looked into in other areas or has this, this geographical location kind of been, you know? exclusive so before this uh, i knew about the beast of bray road and i knew about the beast of the lbl in kentucky and i knew about the story that we had gone down to tell about um in the daniel boone there um beyond that uh, i mean you know i researched a little bit um i looked into because of my particular event and what i think is probably going on i uh looked into uh lycanthropy magic which is a real thing i mean it's a thing that people it's real enough people writing books about you know how to do it and their experiences doing it um so that was um that was part of the the research that i had done but uh i wasn't aware of uh the texas stuff in fact i i deliberately avoided walking uh, your thing until I was done editing mine um, because I didn't want to I didn't want stuff gets in your head and then like a sure. stand-up comic joke stealing like I didn't want to do anything that was like that but I remember I watched it after it was done like it was one of the first things that I did and uh, I too I was struck at the number of um, points of similarity between the two regions and I think that speaks to um, yeah, I think it speaks to that it's a, a wider phenomena than perhaps um, we know of. And one of, it, one of the reasons that it's uh, more difficult for me to view it as uh, possibly some sort of like breeding population of undiscovered kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. As, as often as I toe into the, you know, again, cryptozoological explanation I run into, but what about this? What about that? And, you know, I have my own theories, but I don't want to. I'm not going to pontificate. <laughs> We're talking werewolves on earth tonight. Uh, oh, no, I, I mean, I'll go there with you if you want to go there. Yeah. I've got a lot of weird ideas too. 
This could go really deep. One theory I have, I'll just kick this at you because I wanted to kick this at you either way. One theory I have is that if we're looking at a more biological explanation, maybe the reason we don't see breeding populations is because they're one-offs or mutants or you know, just every once in a while we get that right mixture of canine genes and then we don't see them again because they presumably don't live very long, possibly can't breed. Um, that's one place I like to go. But again, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So this is related sort of, um, one of the first things that I told Chad and he's just, you know, he's like scully to my motor. So he like, He's looking at me like I'm an idiot while I'm explaining this to him. But um, I was like, so one of the things that uh, throughout different civilizations, one of the things that you see are guardians of sacred space that are chimeric or hybrid creatures. Okay. So you look at the, the Sphinx as an example of this in Chinese temples, you'll have uh, like lion headed people or lion bodied uh, man head people. Um, things like, uh, and that goes back to even in the garden of Eden, when man is kicked out of the garden and sent East, the cherubim who was placed at the garden to guard that sacred space to make sure that man doesn't reenter. And more importantly, that the dragon doesn't reenter, uh, those are cherubim. And if you look at descriptions of cherubim, they are hybrid creatures. They have multiple faces. They have the likenesses of different animals in the same creature. So the idea that somehow this imagery of hybridized creatures or chimeric uh, creatures as guardians of sacred spaces, right? Werewolf just means man, wolf, dog, man. Uh, that's a hybrid creature. So one of the things that uh, is interesting and Linda Godfrey talked about in her book, and I think Chad may have mentioned it. I don't know if it made the show or not, but um, that one of the things that Godfrey pointed out was that there seemed to be a correlation between uh, Indian Indian, but pre-Native American, so pre-what we think of as Native American burial sites, uh, by the mound builders, the Adena, the, that, that level of ancient, so prior to um, Shawnee, Cherokee, all that, uh, that those mound sites correlated with instances of witnessing dogmen, werewolves, um, which given, you know, I, I think about these things thematically, as well as spiritually. And so thematically, that's an interesting correlation to me is that chimeric or hybridized beings guard sacred space throughout, you know, it's ubiquitous in many different cultures on many different co uh, continents that are ostensibly uh, disconnected, that had no interaction. Um, that that motif then repeats itself with the uh, mound building um, sites and sightings of these things. So I mean, there's no theory that's too weird for me, I, I guess, is the moral of that story. Sure. I was about to ask if someone like stole my notebook and sent it to you because I've run into a lot of that as well. These <laughs> these chimeric beings, even if we're not necessarily talking about canines, you know, go back very, very far. Like ancient Mesopotamia, we have all of these records of these half animal, half human creatures, and we're still running into them in the modern day, which just... Yeah blows my mind which is why you and i do this stuff <laughs> you want to talk about uh i don't know you probably haven't seen it yet and i can send you like the timestamp if you want to save watching the entire dark holler series but um the there's a so the mothman flap right point pleasant chief cornstalk is supposed to have been 
the one who cursed Point Pleasant that mm -hmm. resulted in the Mothman. All right, Chief Cornstalk's daughter is named Aracoma. Uh, Aracoma was the original name for Logan, West Virginia, which is maybe an hour and a half uh, southeast of Point Pleasant. She's buried there. They found her body in Logan, which is where all the weirdness in the dark holler happens, um, along with the bodies of 50 other natives buried with her. Okay, Chief Cornstalk's daughter, Chief Cornstalk, who's responsible for the Mothman, his daughter, buried in that uh, in that group of uh, remains that they found. They found a like a toddler with a marine shell gorget necklace that depicts a Birdman. Okay, so you've got the Mothman, and you've got apparent worship of or knowledge of, in, in some way, a winged man as an entity in the same people that are supposed to have done the cursing. Um, so like that in the, the winged man is another one when, and mm -hmm. Keel relates it to the Thunderbird and anyway, we could go. Yeah. Along pretty deep there, but no, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. One of the earliest dog man that we know about is also a winged humanoid, like early depictions of Pazuzu again from Mesopotamia, but you know, that's a weird one. Wait, wait, anyway, wait, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up. Connect me, Pazuzu, to werewolf. So some early depictions of Pazuzu have him with like a canine face. Um, there's the version from The Exorcist that. that we're all pretty used to. Right. Um, but there are some other depictions. And I've, there's an academic paper. I found a lot of this and I can email to you. Um, yeah, please. Maybe we'll link it in the comments. But there, there are canine iterations. Um, also is Arudamu, but that's another one that's a different thing entirely. But yeah, you have some wing depictions of Pazuzu that also have a very, again, dog-like head. So there's some interesting, and I just ran into that recently. That's some very interesting crossover. Yeah, and, send me that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we're going to have a lot of stuff we may need to link in the comments here. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a filmmaking question. I love these filmmaking questions, guys, because um, this is stuff I know very little about. Um, Cameron Wadsworth asked, based on the production, how long does it usually take to scout for locations for B-roll? And follow up, what cameras do you use? Canon, Sony, or Blackmagic? Great question, Cameron. Okay, so um, we don't scout for B-roll. No, uh, we, we really don't. Um, the way that works is, and this is, I'm a little bit uh, woo, I guess, even in the way that I approach doing these things. I believe that I'm called to do this material and do this work and so i believe that when we go out um the story that needs told uh will be revealed to us and that includes things like where we shoot stuff and so for um b-roll i for i don't know if you're talking about okay so there's like b-roll which is stuff you can use to break up an interview and for that, it's just kind of whatever we get to shoot with the interview subject. Like we get them to do something and then shoot them doing it. Um, or something that's reflective of their experience, something that's not quite a reenactment, but nearly so. Um, so that's B-roll. The, the other thing that I think you might be talking about is like, how do you find where to go do the investigation type stuff? And um, Sorry, three-year-old. Uh, oh man, you're good. I love the no. I love the organic nature of this show. So no, it's all good. <laughs> um, the uh, 
the so where the finding where to go is it's a combination of things and it's entrusting that where we're supposed to go will be revealed sometimes that's by um we start out usually with where people experienced things mm-hmm. um and then from there it it's honestly it's different every time but um sort of going out expecting that where you're supposed to be you'll end up there um whether that and that's based on talking to different people and um yeah it's hard to answer as a like a formulaic thing because it's different every time um cameras uh i shot this whole we shot this whole thing on black magic uh pocket cinnies um which going forward hi this is wyatt by the way um hi wyatt going, <laughs> going forward um yeah go ahead uh i hope to get the new uh black magic uh cinema cameras that just came out with the l mount in the full frame um that would be pretty sick so those would be cool. wyatt there's a comment you got a comment um <laughs> so uh yeah black mat and then we edited the whole thing on um in resolve i uh, did some work in after effects but mostly resolve and yeah awesome i've only been on one shoot so far so like again i love these questions i love this behind the scenes stuff um let's Ooh, we've got a cool comment from Lori rose i have a location for you to check out danbury wisconsin several family members have encounters with werewolves and sasquatch uh laurie i'm gonna go ahead and just say you should reach out to us uh instagram facebook uh twitter slash x tiktok we're on all those platforms hit us up i would i would personally love to talk with you that sounds extremely interesting yeah um the wisconsin thing is interesting and um yeah i want to talk to her (laughs) yeah yeah, reach out to us. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk about some stuff. So thank you, Lori. A um, couple other cool comments I, I just want to get to. Uh, Jeff Rawls, squad member. Thank you, Jeff. For LBL, two names are well known, and they are Martin Groves and Barton Nunnally. Yes, both awesome guys. Uh, yes, I've interfaced with them both at some capacity, and Ward's nodding. But yeah, awesome dudes. A lot of awesome research that they've done. Um, and on top of that, we've also got Jesse and Joe um, from Hellbent Holler. Also awesome people talked with them quite a bit. Um, yeah, just wanted to throw those, those out there. Shout out to those guys. They're all friends of uh, the small town monsters team. So definitely want to mention that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Here's a question. You commented on this a little bit earlier, but um, I really want to get your thoughts on it. Um, how, how do you feel about the terms werewolf versus dog man? Um, are they interchangeable? Are they different things? I get some pushback just in conversations I have when I use the term werewolf, you know, like, well, no, it's a dog man. And like, personally, I use those terms interchangeably and I have my own reasons for that. But, you know, I'm curious as to, as to where you stand on that. Yeah. I probably exactly where you do. And probably for the same reason, I mean, guessing from based on uh, your work that I've seen and in this conversation, I would guess for about the same reason. I mean, okay. So we could be like, if you wanted to talk about UFOs, right. You could be like, um, oh no, this was a this was a tic tac, this wasn't a UFO, uh, or this was a flying saucer, this wasn't a UFO, or like, okay, but at some point we have to uh, taxonomize people's experiences in order to have the ability to converse about them, and I don't think that I think 
that objection arises from like, uh, oh no, werewolves are silly, but Dogman is a real live cryptid. Um, mm -hmm. Where I think that, I, I don't know, we already have, we have the word werewolf and it happens to be German, but it's very, it's just man wolf. Yeah. So you could say man dog if, I mean, the, people are experiencing something that's related to having the appearance and intelligence of a human, um, but exhibiting canine features. So I, yeah, I think the, the naming is a little bit silly. I'm with you there. Yeah. We actually have a comment that addresses that. This is kind of exactly what I was thinking. Um, Thomas Jackson says, come on, people only use the term dog man because you believe it makes you sound more credible, which is fine. I agree. That is fine. And I do think there's kind of a, a gut reaction with a lot of us in the cryptozoology community when we hear something that we think is fictional being posited as real. I can see where there's that that response of like, no, 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 we're not talking about werewolves, you know. So I see that. Thank you, Thomas. For me, if we go back to the early mythology about these things, and in my mind, that's a part of this, you know, that's the term that was used. So again, just my opinion, just my oh wow, this is blowing up. We yeah, I'd be. I'd be totally fine with using uh, lycanthropy as a general catch-all term. Like we're talking about the phenomenon of lycanthropy. Yeah. Yes. I agree with you there. Uh, the Catalyst says, personally, we've always called it werewolves. I'm originally from the upper peninsula of Michigan and we've never heard of Dogman. Very interesting. Very interesting. Super. I'm oh, sorry. I'm just going through these comments. You guys like had so many insightful thoughts on this. I love this. Uh, here's a comment from Scott Yeager. I really enjoyed the interview that you did with Dolores. Her insights were solid, but her story gave me chills. I'm with you on that one. Excellent film. Thanks for all that you do. Thanks, man. Yeah, Dolores uh, had some wild experiences. She had run. I mean, that interview went for like four or five hours. Um, there was a lot there. There's a lot of stuff that she's experienced that didn't make it in the film because it wasn't. Uh, very explicitly werewolf dogman related. Um, and yeah, so you could do, I mean, you could do a, a documentary on her experiences just by themselves. It would be pretty wild, but it would be very strange. It would be very woo. It would not be, um, be maximally woo. Maximally woo. <laughs> oh, that's what a lot of us come here for, you know, even if, uh, even if we're more on the hard science side, we love the weird stuff. So I'm here for it. It gets my vote. Gets my vote. <laughs> uh, here's a question from Stormwolf. Um, are you guys planning on working with the North American Dogman Project or Vic Cundiff from Dogman Encounters to get areas to investigate? And do you know about the cloaked hedgehog Dogman map? Uh, I, 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 I want to respond to this if I could. And you're, of course, please use well, Ward. But um, Jody Cook at the North American Dogman Research Project, uh, he and I are. Uh, uh, colleagues, and we talk fairly frequently. Great guy. The NADP has been super helpful to me in all of my research. I've been trying to reach Vic Cundiff. If anyone, if anyone has his email address, hit me up. Um, and I do know about the cloaked hedgehog dogman map, which uh, is another very interesting resource. But for anyone who doesn't know, that's a Google map um, that has dogman encounters arranged on it. And I don't believe the person that runs that is active in the community anymore. That's what I've been told. Um, but the North American Dogman Research Project has a similar map, which is still updated. So that's what I've got on that. <laughs> uh, I am familiar with the map. Um, I do not know Vic Cundiff. Uh, but I've heard of, I mean, I've heard of him. And I've heard of the NADP. Um, yeah. 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 If anyone knows Vic, tell him to give me a call. I'd love to talk to him. <laughs> I'd love to pick his brain a little bit. 
Uh, Jessica asked, is Dogman house trained? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Oh, goodness. Um, so here's something I'm curious about, Ward. So I could wander all over the map all night with this stuff. Um, were there any stories or pieces of evidence that you ran into during the production here that you didn't have as much time to dig into as you wanted to, or that maybe it became a dead end and there just wasn't anywhere else to go with it? I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, there were a couple things that immediately come to mind. One of them, um, I think Ristol asks uh, about if we've heard of Native American legend of Bigfoot and Dogman at war or at rivalry. Um, yeah, that, that was one of them, actually. Uh, Jamie and Jenny pointed us to uh, the Lenny Lenape, who um, are a, a relatively old uh, uh, Native American tribe that uh, some members still uh, survive in that region. And um, I would absolutely love mm -hmm. to have chased that lead and talked to... Um, hopefully some Lene Lenape elders who would um, be able to relay some of the oral histories that they uh, believe, because I think that they have that theme of the Sasquatch and the, um, and the dog man being at some, in some ways rivals or in conflict with one another. And that's not something we just didn't have the time. Um, I would love to go back. And, and via Jamie and Jenny hook up with uh, some Lenny Lenape people. And then they also had another story which we obliquely referenced, but we didn't give the name uh, in the show because the people uh, we tried like for several weeks after shooting, um, maybe a, several months actually, to get a hold of these people. But there was a couple like the couple that we interviewed at the end, uh, the Russells, who I found uh, to be um imminently credible uh very convincing i don't think that there's any way because there were two of them and the story seemed very natural and very genuine um but there was another couple like that and that couple witnessed this thing uh disappear in front of them and i really wanted to uh talk to them um, because of the obvious implications for uh you know we've been talking about. So uh, I really wanted to follow up on that as well. And then um, the other thing I would love to do is sort of document um, what it is that Jamie and Jenny are uh, do in the woods. Um, and then the last bit is um, I'm friends with a uh, uh, former paranormal investigator and he's getting back into it. He worked for like 14 or 15 years doing that. Um, and has access to some really cool technology, the sort of stuff that um, I, I don't, I haven't seen anywhere in, in ghost or paranormal world. Um, and I would love to bring him out on one uh, to some of these locations and see um, what we get. So, those are like two or three things that I wish we had had time to get to and that I hope slash think maybe going forward, um, we may be able to do. Dude, that's so cool. These projects, like no matter how focused you try to keep it in, in my experience, 
there's always more like there's always more branches and more paths to chase you know it's like a choose your own adventure but you can't flip back to the other pages it's it's yeah it's it's overwhelming in my opinion <laughs> yep yeah you kind of mentioned this a moment ago or but ristol asks ristol is our trivia winner from last week um aaron's and or ward have you heard of a native american legend where bigfoot and dogman were at war for my part that's something that i'm actually looking into presently but yeah oh yeah so i mean that's what i meant about that that was the lene lenape um the thing that was relayed to us uh through jamie and jenny was that there was that motif in their oral tradition regarding uh sasquatch and dogman being some sort of rival or creatures in conflict in some way so yeah, I have heard of it, uh, particularly just that was the first time I had heard of it, though. Yeah, that's something you hear that it gets brought up in these circles sometimes. But, you know, it's with a lot of these things, it's easy to say, oh, well, that's a Native American legend and leave it at that. But in, in my experience anyway, so it's definitely something that I'm looking, trying to look more into. Yeah, uh, I think one of the things. Sorry. Oh, sorry. One of the things that's really no, interesting. My bad. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, sorry. One of the things that's really interesting about that and a thing that I think um, I'm interested in doing is understanding that uh, mythology is um, in a way that when we say fiction isn't uh, untrue, it's meta-true, right? So you can tell a fictional story that contains within it truths that apply to all kinds of non-fictional stories and in that sense it's meta truth good fiction communicates truth but it communicates it in a way that it applies to a myriad of circumstances right it's not just one circumstance so mythology is similar mythology the way that it functions for ancient cultures and i think the way that it, it should be understood is that it um communicates uh meta truth and so when we have um, a, we want to say Native American myth, I'm not using myth in that sense to mean something that is not true. true. I'm using it in the sense that it's a, it's a communication of meta truth. And I'm a Christian and I believe that C.S. Lewis said that Christianity is the true myth. So I believe that there exists uh a marriage between myth and reality and that other all of our collective mythology functions in a similar way to communicate meta truth um so yeah wow no that's cool man that's inc that's incredibly insightful c.s lewis wrote some really really cool stuff not just chronicles of narnia but yeah he was a deep guy like he he thought about stuff uh, here's a question that I, I cut you off a moment ago, <laughs> but I was so excited about it. Uh, CD asks, is Dogman related to Bigfoot? Hmm. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, in, oh, in my opinion, no. <laughs> and, and I think there are a lot of reasons. Well, I know there are a lot of reasons why I feel that way, but chief among them, um, I feel like saying I saw a werewolf is a more difficult thing for a person than I saw Sasquatch because at least the general public understands that Sasquatch is something we think of as maybe existing in reality. Werewolves are largely thought of as fictional, like we were discussing earlier. So 
in my mind, for someone to say, I saw a werewolf, I saw a dog, man, they've got to be pretty darn sure. That's my opinion. One of, one of the reasons. Yeah. Yeah, right. The experiences, I mean, that's one of the things that we touch on is trying to distinguish what makes a dogman experience or werewolf experience versus a Sasquatch experience. Um, it does seem very much that the uh, dogman or werewolf experience tends to be much more malevolent across the board. Um, I do think that I suspect, so I'm, I'm, it's more plausible to me that Sasquatch could be that sort of, um, there could be a breeding population of woodland ape uh, that's part of that phenomena. Um, but I also think there's uh, something related to the virtues or elemental spirits, two different words for the same thing, um, that's going on with Sasquatch and sort of elemental spirits protecting the woods, that kind of thing. Um, in a way that I don't think, uh, I don't think Dogman is that. I think Dogman is more, those experiences seem to be more explicitly malevolent kind of encounters. Yeah. You have this overwhelming kind of trend with witnesses who they don't come away from these experiences feeling very good about it. There's not, you know, I'll, I'll read different types of Sasquatch encounter, but a lot of the times it's like, wow, I, it was life changing. It opened my eyes. The world's so much bigger than I thought with Dogman witnesses. There seems to be an overwhelming sense of, I kind of hadn't seen that thing. That was not fun. Yep. I'm not going back in the woods. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I think, and one of the interesting things that this is a very like John Killian observation, but um, it's interesting that I think as we all experience uh, kind of an increase in chaos, right? If you envision order at kind of the center of the cosmos, order holding things together and chaos at the outside, it very much feels like in both our kind of our political discourse and our social discourse that the chaos is encroaching. Um, and it's it would be interesting to note, you know, if the Sasquatch experiences uh, start it just statistically start uh, turning into these more malevolent dogman sort of experiences as maybe our psychological perception of, and our fears about the world start to shift. It would be interesting if, because I think that one of the uh, possibilities for all of these, like all of these high strangeness things uh, is that our perception plays a role in the mask that the phenomena wears uh, at any given time. So, um, you know, I, I would be, it'll be interesting to see in the next few years what happens. Yeah, no, for sure. Great answer, man. <laughs> I always think I'm prepared. And then like whoever I'm interviewing will just come with this super insightful thing. And I'm like, wow, where do I even go from there? <laughs> Happening a lot tonight. Uh, comment from the catalyst. <laughs> I've encountered these things over two states, started when I was four years old, now have lived in Florida for a couple deca decades, seen them both at dark and during the day, only went public once. Um, same thing I said to Lori earlier. We'd love to talk with you, my friend. Uh, I'm a Florida native, actually, so this is a particular interest to me. So please reach out to us. And then another comment from the Catalyst. I just I had to had to get to both of these. One thing I can't stand is when people think you've, quote, misidentified, quote, something, not when you've hunted, et cetera, throughout your life. One hundred percent. I'm with you on that. I think to tell these witnesses, these experiencers, you know, oh, well, you just saw a dog. I think we kind of 
in my mind, that's kind of disrespectful to those people. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Ward. Yeah, I mean, I think we could, you know, it surely it happens. Like surely some, yeah, I've been out of, of last night. I was out looking for a deer that I shot. And uh, I think that I saw a coyote, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was way too close to deer to have been that. Uh, so, I mean, I think it, the misidentification can happen, but I think if someone's willing to go to the length of publicly saying, I saw a werewolf, that at least, like, there's some reason there um, that makes you willing to do that. And so, yeah, um, I, I think that, say, misidentification accounts for, you know, be generous and say that it accounts for 80% of reports then okay we still have like you still have to have an explanation for the remainder um, and i don't think that it's not plausible to me that everyone is misidentifying or everyone's lying yes read literally read my mind like even if even if a significant percentage of these cases are someone saw a weird dog someone was having a bad day and like whatever there's still that other percentage i think that's one of the things that fascinates you know, me and so many others about this topic is it is so inexplicable, even within the paranormal world. And we still don't have a satisfactory explanation for that percentage. Love it. Um, a lot of comments from folks. I, I don't know that we'll be able to get everybody's answered, but a lot of comments from folks saying, hey, I've seen these things. Hey, I'm aware of them in my hometown. Um, love to talk with any of you guys at any point. This is literally our job. So uh Feel free to reach out to us. I'll throw all of our socials up on the screen here again. But hit us up, folks. We'd love to hear your stories. Uh, there's one last question I want to get to before we come up on the hour. Uh, do you have a favorite werewolf story, whether it's fictional or, you know, an eyewitness encounter? We can do one of each, whatever you got for me. Shoot. I even knew you were going to ask this. I didn't prepare one. Um <laughs> Oh man, I don't want to tell the same story I told Heather in the Lord You Know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, um, I mean, the one that got me started in all this, and this is going to be, you know, this story is out there a couple different places, but um, the gentleman from Kentucky uh, who tells him an experience that he had um, where he was coon hunting and had coon hunted all his life. Uh, was a kid though, was, um, I can't remember how old he was, but a, a kid, he was out with his granddad uh, coon hunting several miles back in the Daniel Boone. And um, the way that you coon hunt, they would let the dogs go. And the dogs had a particular bark that you can identify that they're on a coon and then a particular bark when they have one treed. And um, I think they had three or four dogs out. And um, he heard the, the dog bark as if it had a uh, raccoon treat. And so he starts up the ridge um, the from the truck where his granddad parks. It's maybe a couple hundred yards up to the top of the ridge. Um, and we went out there and shot this. But uh, he goes up and um, on his way up, he starts to hear coyotes uh barking in the distance and so he knows that um coyotes will come in and if there are enough of them um 
they're willing to fight the coon hounds. So um, he's going to get the dogs. He's worried about the coyotes. And as he gets closer, he hears um, what sounds like a, a fight between the, he presumes between the coyotes and his, and his, his hounds. And he comes up on the tree and they're on the far side of the tree and he can see movement and he sees something uh, big and he hears his dogs fighting. He comes around the tree and there is an upright uh, wolf looking thing, upright dog that has, I think one of his uh, dogs, he's holding it and it's dead. And I think he's got the other one um, kind of like throttling it. And uh, he, the werewolf throws the one, or the dog man, whatever, uh, throws the one and, uh, and then begins menacing him, the kid. And the other dog uh, that he had a hold of somehow gets free or bites it. And um, the other, the first two of his, his coon hounds like run off, but the third one, um, the third one comes back and tries to fight tries to fight the dog man while it's sort of coming toward this kid. Um, and at that point he turns and runs. And I think it, over the like couple hundred yards back down to the truck, um, the thing, you know, he feels like it's right on top of him the whole time. And um, he eventually gets back uh, to the truck and he's uh, panning and, you know, and his granddad asks what happened. He tells him, and his granddad says something to the effect of, you know, there's things in these woods that are um, don't understand. And there's a whole saga about them coming back. And they, they eventually find the one dog that, that fought for him. And um, they recover him. And he eventually, like a lot of people saw the dog messed up, I guess. There's a, like, coon hunters down there, you know, they all kind of know each other. And it was kind of a famous dog. They bred it. And, sold um, its pups and stuff. Uh, but what was really interesting about that story is that uh, his granddad told him that, you know, his granddad was not taken aback, acted like these things happen. These are in the woods. And it turns out there's actually a, uh, a folk song um, from the area that I think, if I remember right, it's Old Slewfoot. Like it's S L E W I think, or S I, I can't remember. I looked it up at one point, but the song is about, um, they say now that the song's about a bear, but if you look at the lyrics of the song, it's probably not about a bear. And, um, the legend is that they, you know, a hundred years ago or something, they had an encounter with the people around the Daniel Boone there where, um, this thing was attacking, either people or livestock and stuff. And they ended up trying to track it and they tracked what looked like a, you know, like humanoid uh, dog track, like down into Tennessee and maybe, um, maybe further than that, but there's a story in the song that like track it. And, um, so that's an interesting like bit of folklore that, you know, ties into the same thing, which was, which was an interesting bit of the story. Plus that, that serves also, that was, my kind of introduction into doing the dogman thing that was the story that we did, went down and um talked to him for the thing with uh with merkle media the exhibition dogman so mm -hmm. that's fast so you have just another example of these things or 
something that could be one of these things popping up in folklore and songs and literature. That's fascinating, man. That's fascinating. Well, I don't want to keep anyone too late tonight. I know everybody is probably looking to wrap up their weekend. Um, but Ward, thank you so much for hanging out with me, man. Thanks for taking time out of your night from your family. Yeah, thank you. Uh, he's still here, so I didn't really take much time away from him. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, of course. It's, it's been great. I I hope uh, it would be fun to work together at some point. Um, yeah, I may have you on a list of names for a project I'm working on. So you may hear from me pretty soon. I don't know. Cool. cool. Awesome. <laughs> Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your comments and your questions. Um, you'll be able to catch this interview on your podcasting platform of choice sometime in the next 48 hours. And if you haven't seen Werewolves Unearthed yet, catch it right now on this YouTube channel. You can also get it on Prime Video. Um, and with that, we will bid you adieu. Good night, Ward. Night, everybody. Thanks, you. You've been listening to the Small Town Monsters Broadcasting Network. If you enjoyed this show, consider giving it a like, review, rating, or sharing it with a friend. And be sure to visit smalltownmonsters.com for more info about this and other STM projects.